Good morning, everyone. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The intro it for the resurrection of our Lord. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set the glory above the heavens. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! And as they were frightened and bowed their heads to their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. The Old Testament reading for the resurrection of our Lord is from Job chapter 19. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome 
bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What would your faith be like if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? Well, first off, it probably would not actually exist at all. It's quite likely that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, that the faith would have simply ended there, that Christianity would have simply ended at that moment because it would have been shown that Jesus was a liar, that he did not follow through on his promises. But let's pretend for a moment that it did. What would it look like if the faith somehow survived that? Well, it would actually probably look a lot like the women going to the tomb. They were unprepared, or at the very least were prepared in the wrong way. They bought spices and oil in order to anoint his body and to prepare his body for burial, even though that had actually already been done. And when they came to the garden, they didn't even know how they were going to get the door open. They didn't know how they were going to roll the stone away. And as they were coming, they were terrified. They were afraid. They were afraid of the people who would have been guarding it. They were afraid of what it would be like to see their Lord's body. To see the proof that he was not who he said he was. Which brings us then to the truth that it really would not have been much of a faith at all. It would have been unsure. There would have been doubts because it would have been proven that what he said did not come true. However, today we recognize the truth that our Lord did rise from the dead. We recognize that that fact happened, seen by over 200 people, multiple of which we have accounts of in the Bible. So then, now that we know that this is true, now that we know that this happened, what does that mean for us? What does the resurrection prove to us? Listen again to just one small part of that in our intro it for today. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise. So, what does the resurrection prove to us? First and foremost, it proves to us that what Jesus did on the cross worked. It proves to us that the sacrifice of our Passover lamb accomplished the forgiveness of our sins and accomplished our salvation. It proves to us that Jesus did not die for nothing. It proves to us that he was an innocent man, that he was the man, in fact, who was God. All of which is to say that it proves that God keeps his word. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he told his disciples about it over and over and over again. And they didn't remember at that time. They were like the women. In fact, in many ways, they were worse than the women who came to the tomb, because they were just sitting in a room doing nothing. At least the women were doing something. But they did not remember what Jesus said, or at least they did not believe what he said, even though he told them. But then when he rose from the dead, and when they saw him, and when they touched him, they believed. But it's not as if it's only Jesus' word that we have to take for this. The Spirit prophesied that this would happen through his prophets. And we see just one little bit of that in our intro for today. Because for a time, the Son of God was humiliated. For a time, the Son of God was lowered down so that he was just a little less than the heavenly beings. For a time, he became a man. And he did not exercise his divine power, his divine nature, all the time as he usually would. And yet, at the same time, as our intro, it says, he was also exalted. He was given dominion over all the things that were made with his hand. Which is amazing, because he is still, in fact, man. There is right now a man who has been exalted over all the heavenly beings. A man who is over the angels. A man who is God and has been given dominion over all of the things that were made with his hand. And his name is Jesus. 
We knew this was going to happen. Our introit tells us about this. And even now we know this truth because even now, His Majesty, all the clouds in heaven, waiting to come back to us, sitting on His throne, waiting to return and fulfill His last words. Our Lord, being raised from the dead, coming back from death, proves that he follows through on his word, proves that God follows through on his word. But even more than that, it proves that God cares for us. He doesn't just follow his word as if it was some sort of obligation. He follows his word because he loves us. Because the promises that he made to us, he wants to fulfill because he cares about us, so much so that he ensured that we would have proof, that he ensured that we would know that he is faithful to his word, that we would know that he cares for us. And we know this because he gave us his word, which tells us this truth. And yet our Lord is incredibly generous, astonishingly generous and merciful in that he gave us even more than that. He gave us our baptisms, wherein he comes and cleanses us with his water and his word, and where he comes and lives inside of us, creating the faith inside of us that we need to grasp on to the proof that he has given us. And he gives us his supper. His supper wherein he gives us his very body and blood, his very resurrected body and blood in order to strengthen and nourish the faith that he has created inside of us, in order to continue giving us the forgiveness of sins that we so desperately need. This is what our Lord's resurrection proves to us, that he cares for us. But perhaps on just a simple practical note, it proves that our God has the power over death. We already knew that he had power over other people's deaths. He had raised multiple people from the dead, perhaps the most prominent of which was Lazarus, who he raised directly before Holy Week. But here he proved that he has power even over his own death, which means, therefore, that he has power over all death. And amazingly, even Job knew this. Job, who was likely a contemporary or perhaps even lived before Abraham, thousands of years before Jesus, knew that he had a Redeemer and knew that because his Redeemer lives, that he would live. And we too know this truth. We know that when our Lord died on the cross for our sins, that he redeemed us. And we know that because he rose from the dead, that that proves that we too will rise from the dead. So then, how should we live our lives since we have this proof? Well, one thing that we can do is that we can prepare ourselves. We know what's coming. Jesus told us what was going to come, and it's not going to be all very nice. In fact, he told us that we're going to have sufferings. We're going to have persecutions. That We are going to have pain and conflict. He even told us that we would likely die unless he decides to come back beforehand. 
But we also know what comes after death. We know of the majesty and the glory of what comes next, including our immortality. The very thing that he was earning for us on our cross. And we know this, which means that we can prepare for it. But how do we actually do that here in this world that is still surrounded by suffering and death? Well, we can put ourselves in the places that God has promised to strengthen us. Or I should say, the place that God has promised to strengthen us. And that is in His church. And when I say in His church, I don't mean this building. I mean the gathering of His children, the gathering of His saints. We can put ourselves there in that gathering where He gives us His word, that He has proven to be true, where He gives us His sacrament, which He has trusted to us, and which He has proved gives us the forgiveness and faith that we so desperately need. His church, where He gives us fellowship with one another, Fellowship where we can gather together and hear the word of God and receive his sacraments and offer each other the mutual consolation of the brotherhood. That we might get through this dark world full of suffering. His church where he gives us his prayer. Where he gives us a way to come to him both individually and together to ask for the things that we desire, to ask for the things that we need, and to simply talk to Him. And because we know this, because we have been prepared in this way, we also should be brave, knowing the proof that He has given us. The way of the Christian is hard and scary, and yet our Lord promises to be with us through it all, and He promises to get us through it all. We don't face all of this alone. In fact, we aren't even the primary, the primary ones facing it. Our Lord has already won the day, and by coming to live with us and by coming to be with us, He ensures that we will get through the day. Remember, courage is bravery in the face of fear, even in the face of death. It's not untested. Therefore, we can be confident. We are free to be confident. For our Lord has proved that He cares for us. Our Lord has proved that He is true to His word when He rose from the dead, and He has proved that He has that power to raise us from the dead. We are therefore free to trust in Him and to be confident that He will continue to do what He's always done for us, and to be confident that He will one day return to us, one way or another. Either by coming back to this world and getting us, or by taking us out of this world and bringing us to be with Him until He returns. And we can rest confident in that truth. We can rest surely knowing that He has proven that He is faithful to His Word, proven that He cares for us, and proven that he can do what he said he's going to do. Which means that one day, we too will rise to newness of life, just as he did. Now may the peace which passes all understanding, 
Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.